Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's up? Welcome back to the Steelers preview. It's been a couple weeks since we've had an actual Steelers preview show. Last week, the preview kind of morphed into a NFL draft show, whatever you want to call it, the the wrap-up of, of round one. We're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, and I think it's a good time to also say next week's going to be a little different. Next week, you're going to see the preview on, is it Wednesday. Yes, I think we'll be on Wednesday, right? Yes. Because next week is the schedule release. So next week, we're going to switch spots with the uh, curtain call, which means that we will be on Wednesday in the curtain call with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict and whoever get whichever guest they have will be on Thursday. So just a little programming note. Nonetheless, I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joining me as always... I'm sure Brian Davis will be here. That there's Brian Davis. We'll go to Dave first. <laughs> Dave Schofield, the other co-editor. What's up, Dave? Hey, have you, or Jeff, have you recovered yet? It's been a while since you've been. You haven't been on YouTube since the draft, right? So we were we were very delirious the last time I was on YouTube. <laughs> Brian was showing us his lower back tattoo uh, inadvertently, um, but it was. <laughs> That weekend is, I hate it. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I hate the draft weekend. I love it and I hate it because yeah. it is grueling. And you know, more than anyone, Dave, you did what, 10 podcasts over the course of a weekend, it seems like? I was uh, on nine just on Saturday between between the breaking news yeah. and YouTube. I did nine alone on Saturday. So wait a second. I do have to say this before we turn it over to the other person on the show. I mean, you, you brought up something and I, I, I just constantly think of – 
uh, a how I met your mother reference. You said that you love that you hate it. And I don't know if you remember when they were, when they had the picture of the captain. And if you looked at him from here up, he looked all nice. But if you looked at him from here down, he looked so mean. And then they had to ask him what, you know, what do you think of these things? Oh, he hates it. Oh, he loves it. And then they, they asked him what he thought of the Jonas brothers. And they did this. And they're like, what, what is that? He's like, he, he hates that he loves them. So that's, kind of, that's Jeff Hartman with the NFL draft. It is. He, he hates that he loves it and he loves that he hates it. But let me say, let me say this and I'll be completely honest. I've been with the website for a draft ever since Bud Dupree got drafted. What was that? 2015. 15. Yeah. 15. So I've been editor being an editor at some point since 2015. This was the smoothest draft we've ever had at behind the steel curtain. It used to be, believe it or not, I was the one that was doing all the podcasting stuff. I was making sure all the pick articles got out. I made sure they all got on social media. I had to do the instant reaction stuff. And now the team has just developed so much that, yeah, it's it's it, this was the smoothest draft ever. And I have to put this up because it's hysterical. Steven writes, the draft equals the, the effing Catalina <laughs> wine mixer. And if you've seen the movie... Step Brothers, you know exactly what we're talking about. The Catalina wine mixer. All right. Joining us also is the hashtagger himself, Brian Anthony Davis. What's up, Brian? How's it going? Sup. It's good to see both of you. you know Sup. 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 <laughs> yeah. Who's bad? No, I, man, I'm tired. I, I'm still tired. I was telling Dave before this, I'm still exhausted from the draft, and I didn't really move. I was just in one position on my couch. But I moved to a table for podcast, then back to the couch. Yeah. It's the sleep deprivation part of it. It's it's one of those where it's like, I, I did a Let's Ride podcast on Thursday night at one o'clock in the morning. I don't even remember what I said. I had to listen back to it like, wow, I didn't sound horrible. I mean, it wasn't my best show, but I mean, it's one o'clock. It, it's just, that's exactly what it is. But you know what? I thought it was good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, ride or well, die. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My ride or die crew. They're very loyal. They're they're like a rabid bunch. They're Shut up, big. ride or die. We're <laughs> <laughs> the wild hogs. Anyways. Um, so let's go, <laughs> let's talk about what well, I don't want to spend too much time on the draft because I think it's good. Well, we're going to break this down across the platform in, in a myriad of ways. So I want to get to news first, like we always do And the news of the week. Everyone's talking about it. Big Alejandro Villanueva. Not only does he sign with Baltimore, but in his first media availability, I kind of throws some shade. He kind of throws some shade. I, I wrote the article that ran Thursday morning for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And it was very matter-of-fact, but I did say in the article that I felt there were some shots fired at, at a couple points of his uh, media session. And um, I want to get Charles' take on it. Not so much on what he said, but do you think that... Well, you can talk about whatever you want, but do you think it was meant for a reason? Do you think that he was really throwing shade or were we taking things out of context? Brian, we'll start with you. I also, I really thought it was an excuse for his play last year, really, saying that, hey, um, you're getting a value here, Baltimore. But maybe it's a little bit of, it could have been a little shade when you throw in the TikTok thing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a slight. So, but if you're going to join a Wang, you might as well be a Wang. <laughs> it's, that is one aspect of this that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. He's joining the Ravens. You can't go into your first press conference in Baltimore and just praise and loud the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You just can't do that. It's a culture thing. Dave, what do you think? You just took my answer. Oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, come on. It, that's that's what you're doing. If you're going to go in, I mean, what did he really talk about from the Steelers? The thing that everyone else outside of the Steelers fan base 
knew and was a big deal to them more than probably the Steelers fan base themselves to mention the TikTok thing. I mean, who knows? You know, he could have said all these other little things that Ravens fans would have, well, most things go over their head, you know, but that, and, and you know, other things specifically. So he mentioned something in jest and he's going to a new team. I mean, that's exactly what we would expect from someone coming to the Steelers from somewhere else like that horrid purple place or anywhere else that they would kind of be that way. I didn't look at it too much. I thought Zach Banner's response on Twitter was hilarious. He says, I can't hit up or say anything about, about big Al here. Cause he'll never see it. Remember the dude still has the flip phone. I guess I got to text him and you know, things like that, just kind of jabbing back at him, but it's really what it's really going to come down to is, How's he going to look going up against TJ Watt, man, if he's lined up at right tackle? <laughs> well, and that brings up my next part of this is, and this was a question that was asked of me from my ride or die crew on my Tuesday. This was on Tuesday, uh, the mailbag episode of my podcast. And they asked, is this an advantage for the Steelers? And if it's not, is it an advantage for the Ravens? Because for every time you say, well, TJ Watt is comfortable going against Villanueva, at the same time, Villanueva is comfortable going against Watt. Now, that doesn't mean that Watt's not going to get the better of him. But still, is there an advantage one way or the other? Brian, what do you think? Let me say first, I still love Big Al. And, you know, that's what you do. You know, you want to endear yourself to the Baltimore. Fine. As far as advantages go, I still think the Baltimore Ravens got a hell of a player. Got a good... I still think he has a lot left in the tank. A lot of people thought that he was all washed up and done, and I didn't. I would have retained him, but they chose to go a different direction. As far as an advantage goes, you know, remember they they used to say that TJ would go up against Cam Hayward. Actually, Zach Banner in practice, they would always give them their best. I would think that these two would give each other their best when they play against each other. I, If there is an advantage, it might be 55-45 TJ. Because Al still, Al still has something. What about you, Dave? What do you think about the advantage aspect of this? I'm going with a different set of numbers. Since Brian wanted to throw numbers out there, I'm going 95-5. I mean, you're asking Al to go from the left side to the right side. So he's going to be playing that's, right tackle in Baltimore? That's... He's the, he's going to play over what? Ronnie Stanley? Isn't that, isn't that who's still that, there? I heard that he might be insurance in case Ronnie Stanley's not fully healthy. Well, then if not, then Big Al's not even going to play. He's either going yeah. to play at right tackle or not at all. And if he's playing left because Ronnie Stanley's not there, guess what? That's a major downgrade. That's still advantage Steelers because yeah. Ronnie Stanley's a fantastic tackle, even though he wears the, that putrid color. You know, you still got to say when someone's good. Jonathan so, Ogden was pretty good too, and he played for that team. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not going to say that a player's terrible when they're yeah. a great player just because they play for a franchise that's terrible. Sorry. Well, I mean, I'm not saying even the way they're designed. I'm just saying right. that anyway. we, they're, they're terrible in the way that we look at them because of who they are. Yeah. Anyway. So getting back to it, I say if if it's going to be TJ going up against I, I want to see Cam against Al and stuff like that. I, I really do. Um, and we, as Steeler fans, we always said that Al was, you know, his, his strength was pass blocking. What's that going to bring to the right tackle? Not only are they a run first team, then you move to the right side. That's Maybe it works out great for him, but right now, you know, time will tell. We'll see what he gets on the field. But right now, on paper, 
it doesn't look good, especially the amount of paper that they just gave him to come there. That was a lot. That was a lot indeed. I think he had two years, fourteen million, eight yes. million guaranteed is what's been reported. I'm not sure if that's that official is, or that's not. That's what it, that's what I had. That's a, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I, I have to say that for me, and a lot of people ask, uh, even like my dad called me, hey, what do you think about the stuff that Villanueva said? I don't care. I, I really <laughs> don't care. I, I said this on Twitter today. I am a Steelers fan. I don't root for players. I root for the Steelers. Do I want the players to succeed? Yes. Why? Because that means the Steelers are succeeding. If a player leaves, eh, they're not dead to me. I still like Villanueva. He's a great guy. He's a throwback guy. He served our country proudly overseas in multiple tours in Afghanistan. I mean, I've wished him nothing but the best, except for the two weeks that they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, and that's just the way that it is. Um, I, I just don't, I don't put too much stock into it. We'll put it that way. Ryan O'Toole gives us $5. And he gives a good analogy. He says, A.V., Villanueva, stated the team made him aware they weren't bringing him back, which is true. Villanueva said this in his press conference. He said, if Coke fires you, would you be happy to go work for Pepsi? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's pretty much, I think that's a pretty good analogy that, yeah, the Steelers said, hey, and we're not going to be asking you back anytime soon. Um, but here's another question. Two years, $14 million, $8 million guaranteed. I know Dave thought this because he actually messaged me about it. I'll ask Brian, though. Anyone smell something fishy here? Anyone smell oh, like a contract that was already agreed upon and yet wasn't signed till after the deadline? Brian, you think that was the case? Collusion. Collusion. <laughs> That's look, there's they found a loophole and they exposed this kind of loophole and it's just not fair because you got to look at the fact, all right, you met this week, but we're just going to wait. All right, I tell you what. Look, I'm cheating on your, uh, you're cheating on your husband with me. Okay. And, but we're just going to say that, uh, we met after we, after you finally broke up with him. So then we could save face. No, it's collusion. You had the plans in place. You had it done. The deal was done. You just waited to do it on paper. You know, if the NFL knows that there's a meeting, you would think that they would just go back and say, okay, you know what? No, you had this in place. They, any free agent, if they find out that somebody was contacting a player beforehand and then they finally do it after the free agent period, they lose a pick or there's they're fined or something. This is once again the team that goes to the rules committee and says, hey, we got to change this role. We got to change this role. We got to change this role because we cry all the time and we got to have it our purple way. Well, today they, they did it again. And the NFL is going to stop and look and goes, these guys are Belichickian at heart. They're they're trying to skirt the rules. Bah! And Dave, you agree, right? You think that there might have been a little bit of a, you know, behind closed doors. Oh, I mean. Nod, nod, wink, wink. <laughs> that and however many other deals there might have been that, yeah. that, that that's happened. But that's, that's not breaking the rules. It's not even bending the rules. That's doing what all the teams sh- should be doing in that case but now let me throw something else out to you this was the risk that they both took both if they agreed to this beforehand he did not sign beforehand if he just signed and actually put pen to paper that would be a problem because i'm pretty sure it was that cheating team up up north a few years ago got busted for this where they actually had the signed contract and waited until after 4 p.m. to submit it. It was found out, and the player ended up, they went back and changed the time and made the player count towards the compensatory formula. 
I'm I, I'm I'm pretty sure that happened. I can't quote it for sure what year or who it was or whatever, but I remember that story coming out when I was reading up stuff about compensatory stuff in the past. So there's that. But if they just kind of agree, hey, this is what the deal is going to be. This is going to be, oh yeah, great. Well, guess what? The risk that Al was taking is that if somebody else cuts a much better right tackle that they would want for an option, then there's no deal. They could go after that guy. And if the injury in Denver takes place a few, even a few hours earlier, there's a decent chance that Al's with Munchak. So they both ran the risk that other things, the other side could have had a change of heart in order to, and it wasn't just about the Steelers being able to gain what would I estimated to be a fifth round, another fifth round pick. But he would have caused the cancellation, and all Baltimore sitting there with his fourth-round guy. So he would have canceled the fourth-round guy. So yeah. they get to keep a fourth-round pick, and the Steelers don't get a fifth-round pick. But it's the way the system works. But there were inherent risks. And, boy, it would have been nice if that would have been the way it would have played out. I would have – honestly, I would have been fine seeing Big Al in Denver. I would have been fine with that. Yeah. And we'll see. I, I'm actually fine with them going up against him twice a year because, like you mm -hmm. said, if it's Cam, if it's TJ, I think they're going to abuse him. Yeah. Um, we've seen as Steeler fans, Al struggle against elite pass rushers in the past. Mm -hmm. He's also struggled against guys that are big and strong that want a bull rush. Well, that is Cam Hayward's forte. Um, he's going to walk you right back into the, into the quarterback. And but let's also not forget, they act like they're going to throw the ball a lot in Baltimore. I hope they do that. If they do that, that's like career suicide. Yep. It is career suicide. If they try to turn Lamar Jackson into a passer, but not, let's not talk about the Ravens because that just is going to get my blood pressure up. Let's talk about the four players, and if I, if I missed one for some reason, that have left the Steelers in some way, shape, or form. So you have Bud Dupree going to the Titans, James Conner to the Cardinals, Mike Hilton to the Bengals, and now Alejandro Villanueva to the Ravens. Who do, you who got the comp pick. The one player that's actually given them a comp pick. Oh, Filer? Matt Filer. Okay. So we'll throw Filer in there. Anyone you else? Can throw in Sean Davis if you really want to. No, but he's not going to make the team. The he's going to get cut. Anyways, yeah. well, um, I mean, he, where he's what? Indy. Yeah, and yeah, they okay. actually picked up another Sean Davis. S H A W N. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, out of the players that were cut, who do you think is going to have the best twenty twenty one season? Now, again, that's Bud Dupree in Tennessee, coming off that ACL. Keep that in mind. James Conner in Arizona, not going to be the bell cow there. Mike Hilton. Who knows what the Bengals are going to do to that guy? I feel bad for him. Villanueva, we just talked about him. We're not sure if he's going to be starting or not, whether it's right or left side. And then Matt Filer, they are assuming that he's going to start out in L.A. So, Brian, we'll start with you. Which player has the best 2021 season outside of Pittsburgh? I'm only going to say one guy. To me, it's between two, but I will only say one, and it's close. But I'm going to go with Bud Dupree. I'm sure he's going to be fully healed from that. That defense is set up with a lot of guys around him that are going to command some attention. He might get the TJ Watt type of favor there with some other players because they have a lot of juice on defense that they didn't have last year. So I'm going to go with uh, number 48. All right. Dave, what do you think out of those players? Is he still number 48? Do we know yet? I don't know. I, have, I don't no, know. I don't he's know. Who cares? It's, he was 48. Until here. he gets a jersey, he's 48. Yeah. Um, I don't really have it all that close. I hate to agree with Brian, but I didn't have it between two. I, I think it's Dupree all the way. I think that's the best fit for him. I will be honest with you. I do think it's a pretty good fit with James Conner in Arizona. But like Jeff said, I don't know that he's going to be the main guy called upon um, a, a lot of the time. So that's what it's really going to 
stem with. But I, I see Dupree basically being their guy there, you know. I mean, not there, you know, as part of the, as a key part of that defense. So um I I think he'll have a DC year. I mean, do I think he's going to be a, a, a pro bowler after leaving Pittsburgh? I mean, he wasn't one here. Uh no, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't look for him to lose a step going there because I think that that was a good place for him to be if he wasn't here. I'm not sold on Dupree's knee being completely healthy mm-hmm. by the time the season starts, by the way. He he injured that in what week 13? December second. That's a that's late to tear an ACL. And I know that yeah. modern medicine is tremendous, but that is still a that's a painful injury. And Devin Bush is just now, and he got hurt what week four? Something like that last season? Yeah. Sixth. Okay. Regardless. Yeah, they had a in week four. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Tennessee. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> Anyways, he's just now starting. If you follow him on social media, like he's still rehabbing that thing and getting right. He'll be fine, I think, by the time the season rolls around. I could even see him having to take it easy at the beginning of training camp as they get him back right. So that has me That's a good point, Jeff. I didn't even take that. That has me pause that long term. I agree with you. I'll bud Dupree hands down. So I'm, that makes me pause on Dupree when I said just for 2021, James Connor. I said, no, building a wave and not sure. I, what do we know about Filer in LA? Is he going to be tackle or is he going to be guard? Does anyone know? With, with who they just picked up, I'm almost thinking he's going to be a guard because they had a mm. lot of holes. <laughs> I, I could see him there, but he could still possibly be right tackle. I think uh, Slater is going to come in there and play right away. Probably. So if, if that's the case, they have a guard. I'm not, I think Mike Hilton might be the one that he kind of I, – I just don't know how they're going to use him because I think that he's a versatile weapon, but we know the Bengals. We know the Bengals. The Bengals that had the top – the best tackle in the draft available to them in the draft, and they took a receiver. So that's the only, the the only guy that's they the said was a surefire <laughs> Hall of Famer in this draft, <laughs> which is funny. Watch him get hurt and never play a snap or something. I don't want to say that, but hey, so- he was, yeah, he was supposed to be the the biggest home run pick of what you were going to get, and they didn't take him because so they, wanted, they wanted yeah. they, they wanted Carson. Or, why am I? I'm even saying the right guy. No, I was sort of saying Carson Palmer. I go and talk about the throwback. <laughs> Joe Burrow. They wanted Joe Burrow to have his buddy. I mean, that's what they went with. She's Carson Palmer has been the quarterback. Carson Palmer. <laughs> Another injured quarterback. They wanted Ken that's Anderson that. to come back. Yeah. <laughs> the throw in the like, That's not right. Go you ahead, know what? Ryan. They did pick up a kicker in the fifth round, too. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. Bullock's Mike gone. Brown rolls. Oh, Bullock's. Bullock will um, be on the market. Anyways. Can can I say one other thing about these guys, Jeff? Sure. This is what you got to remember. Two of these guys, uh, the five we were talking about, and possibly three, we're not really sure, are guys that the Steelers just flat up didn't want back. James Conner and Alejandro Villanueva. So the Ravens can be all excited on the what say, remember, the Steelers' offensive line was eh, last year, and even though he was the highest-graded guy, they didn't want him back. I mean, they, they had a chance they could have brought him back, and they just they didn't want him back from all yeah. indications. Don't know that they – how much did they want Filer? That's the question mark, you I know? So. I don't know that they did, but the, the two guys that the Steelers would have liked to have kept were 
I, I believe Mike Hilton and Bud Dupree, but because of the salary cap situation, I don't even know if they could even get into negotiations. I don't think they wanted to let Hilton go. But th- so to me, it comes down to those two guys because they were at least, you know, the Steelers might have wanted to keep him. But then I think Hilton went to such a crappy situation. Do you? I just don't trust the Bengals to use him properly. And if you're not using him in the right way, he's going to be a liability and not an asset. You know, I, you know, if he'd have gone somewhere, honestly, like Baltimore or maybe even Tennessee, I would have trusted them to use him as an asset. But until they show me that they can do something better in Cincinnati, they, they might have turned him into a liability. Because now what are they going to do? They're going to take either Eric Ebron or Frothy Muth, Pat Fryermuth, <laughs> and they're going to put him on Hilton. They're going to make Hilton have to cover mm-hmm. him. And mm-hmm. we've seen this as Steeler fans. We've seen this. So this is one of those situations where – I just talked about Big Al struggling with power rushers before. The Steelers know this. They know Mike Hilton's weaknesses as well, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plans out. I didn't mean for this to go off on a tangent, but I just thought it was a good connection there between Big Al's comments and the upcoming season. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this draft class, but more specifically, the fact that even though the Steelers checked a ton of boxes in this draft class, and I talked about this on our Sunday, Saturday, one of those days, we did the wrap-up show. That's where things got weird. And um, when the wrap-up show, I was talking about how I wrote in the articles, like after they drafted Najee Harris, the Steelers team needs now are remain center, guard, tackle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the time they had gotten to the seventh round, I didn't have any other positions. And when they drafted big, big press, Presley Harvin, then I was literally done. I, I just, I can't say anything else because they did get a lot of, they, they checked a lot of boxes, but there still are holes on this roster. Okay. So I want to talk about a few of those. We will end up having to take a break during the discussion, but that's okay. Brian, we'll throw it to you first. When you look at who they acquired, and if you want to throw in undrafted players, you can, but let's be honest, the, the likelihood of them being the next Mike Hilton or James Pierre is not, it's not likely. We'll put it that way. So uh, on this roster. Yeah, you broke up. We need to oh. say that one more time. I said, Brian, which is one position that you oh. still see a glaring hole on this roster? You know, if I'm looking at this, objectively i don't think there's many holes because if there's holes if we're talking about the starting 22 there's i I think they're fine going into it i think they've they're everywhere they need to be except for at one cornerback position and that's it because everywhere else like kevin colbert said last week we could play a game now they could play more of a game now after after that draft because you bring in Najee Harris and Friar Muth and a center who look, I think he's probably, he's going to have to do a lot to not start. I really think that they're expecting him to try to start. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's debatable, but there's a possibility that he could start. So I'm not going to consider that a hole because they've got the plan. They've got the plan to fill in when he's ready. So that's why I can't call center a hole yet. The only really hole to me is the fact that I don't know what Cam Sutton, I love Cam Sutton. I don't know how he's going to fit into being a full-time guy at the corner. I know you might move him in the slot. I know you, you brought some guys in, but when you bring in a young cornerback 
they're not expected to jump in right away where you could put some other guys in right away, especially your tight end and your running back. You could put them right away. We saw a center start 11 years ago as a rookie. I know he is not Marquise Pouncey, but there's that possibility. So I'm going to go back to cornerback as one of the few main weaknesses as far as a hole that needs to be filled. Okay. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. Dave, before you give your position, let's talk about this cornerback position. So, and I guess I could throw it to Brian first and he could quickly answer, give his thoughts. Who's starting opposite Joe Hayden on the outside, Brian? Do you think it's Cam Sutton? I really think it is Cam. Okay. Dave, do you agree? I think it will be. That's who's going to get the first crack at it. So I think it will be the start. Okay. Um, then who's going to be the nickel? Oh, can I answer that one? Sure. Go for it, Dave. Cam Sutton. Then who goes to the outside when he goes to the nickel? James Pierre. I thought you were going to say Cam Sutton. I was like, he can't play everywhere. No, He's no, <laughs> no it's, it's, it, people keep saying, say, so you people were saying this before is... the draft. We need to draft the nickel corner. If Cam Sutton can be your outside guy in base and slide in, and you want package, him to it, do that though? Isn't like, that what William want... Gay would do? And then eventually just transition to that. You know, yeah. you know, did he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I believe I, you. I, I believe you. And I mean, you know and who that's else what did. they did. What's that? Deshae Townsend did that. Yeah. Where they would play on the outside, but would come to the inside whenever you had multiple corners on the field. Because why would you not put your guys in their strength? If James Pierre's strength is the outside, which I'm not sure. We don't have enough of a picture of him. All I know is the Steelers love him. I, I know the Steelers love him, which makes me love him. So for all we know, maybe James Pierre is just as fine in the in in the nickel corner position, but we don't know. And that's why I say, well, we've seen what they did in the playoffs last year when there was no Joe Hayden. So now imagine Joe Hayden is Joe Hayden because he's Joe Hayden. Um, maybe just think of Frank Caliendo, you know, Brett Favre is Brett Favre of Brett Favre. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when he's pretending to be John Madden. Yeah. Anyway, it's Joe Hayden. So then if you have Cam Sutton and then when you bring in a third corner, it doesn't mean that that corner has to come inside. That's that's just the way I think. I think that's what okay, makes no, the most no, no, sense no, right that's now. Fine. That's fine. So you're saying that James Pierre would be ahead of Justin Lane or my boy, as we call him affectionately on this show, Lust and Jane, mm -hmm. uh, because he's very sensitive. Um, yeah. That's more on Twitter. But anyways, uh, so you think Justin that's, Lane, that's what's my his call right now? What is what is Lustin's role in this team then? Who's the dime? Who who's the Cam Sutton from last year is the question because if Cam Sutton, you think about it, it was Hilton in the nickel, Nelson was out wide, and then in the dime they bring in Cam Sutton. So who's that guy? How about like I'm thinking it might be like a Miles Killebrew or something like that. Well, a safety, okay, yeah, because Brian, a lot of times it would be know, a third safety. Go ahead, Brian. Mm -hmm. I know you said we couldn't count on these guys, but. I'm thinking a Shakur Brown or a Mark Gilbert could possibly see some action on this team or Trey on the Norwood. roster. Trey Norwood, yeah, seventh I mean, round pick, maybe. maybe they say yeah. he's I, still, I wouldn't know. be banking on those I still guys. Think he's I could see them evolving into that eventually. I wouldn't think of those as. Weak I, I think guys. this is a this is a good way of talking this out and saying that this is a team need. Okay, this is a this is a glaring hole. This is what we're we titled this whole podcast was a glaring hole. I think this is one of those glaring holes. What are the odds, in your opinion, though, that they might go out and get someone else that's on the free agent market? No, I'm not talking about Richard Sherman, but there's some other players out there. Brian, do you think it's likely or no? 
I don't know who all is out there. I know that Casey Hayward's no longer out there, which I would no. have loved to have seen come in, and now he's in Vegas. But, you know, I think they're going to try to bring somebody in, but he's not going to be a brand name. Okay, but you do think they might bring someone else in? If, if they do, it's a guy that you'll be busting out the owl noises when you go, who? Because yeah. you won't know him, <laughs> but he could be valuable. Okay. Dave, what do you got you? Here, I'm going to go bold prediction. Bold sure. prediction. They bring in another quarter cornerback in September. You're talking about another Ross Cockrell situation or something like that, where they're going to look for someone who doesn't make yeah. a team somewhere at that point because they got plenty of young guys that they can give plenty of opportunity to during the preseason. And if one of them you know, shine super bright, then you don't even have to do that. But if not, then you're looking to maybe add something there. Cause honestly, right now you're looking at adding someone who's not on a 90 man roster. You're going to have much better options when you're talking about someone not on a 53 man roster, but that's Absolutely. just me. I that just, that just seems like a Steelers move to me. If scrap they're going to do that, they'll take a scrap heap yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ross Cockrell panned out. I thought he was a good, yeah. good player for him. He, yeah. Okay. For what they had at the time, he was yes. one of the better ones they had, but they got, significantly better after that you don't like valentino blake come on anyways um <laughs> antoine valentino valentino antoine it's like that gif on twitter where you see the spider-man pointing at the spider-man like wait it's you it's you it's you <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break on the audio side we're gonna continue this conversation on part two so make sure you join us there if you're watching live on youtube or facebook don't go anywhere we weren't going anywhere we'll be right back after this break our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.